For this holiday season, our gift to you is an interview with the extemper at the top of our national points race. By a lot. The winner of the season opener, Duke, Lukey, Glenbrooks, and just last week, GMU, this generational talent extemper, who is a dedicated fan of the podcast, needs no introduction. Even though we literally just gave him one. Daniel Kind, we kindly welcome you to the Extemper's Bible Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. How's it going, guys? We are doing fantastic. I am having a fantastic day, and I appreciate the kind words. Thank you for having me on. All right, so let's just start off on some really general stuff then. First, we like to ask this to everyone, and this is the question we stole from Ananth, full disclosure. Why did you pick Extemp? There are so many options for events that you could have done. Why did you choose the right option and go with Extemp? Yeah, and I think I really enjoy the variation that people get in these questions. Uh, the way I started doing Extemp was uh, I got recruited in eighth grade by my school, Lake Highland Speech and Debate Team, and they basically presented to us a showcase of different events and said, okay, guys, here's the different events you can do. You can do Congress, you can do PF, you can do LD, and they went, Extemp? Extemp is the hardest one. Only do that if you're really into it. And little 7th grade me, when he was being recruited to be an 8th grader on the team, saw that and was like, that's me. I gotta do Extemp. It's the hardest one. Um, and I started doing Extemp, uh, and one of my friends did it as well, so that really drew me to it. And as soon as I did it, the people who were there were really supportive and wanted me to get better. And knowing that it was the hardest event in my mind kind of gave me the will to keep going and keep practicing and keep getting better. Extempers always love a challenge. But in that, and through all the hard times of Extemp, who would you say is your Extemp crush? That one person who is, you know, really good at speaking, really good at delivery, analysis, everything to do with their Extemp, that you idolize. Oh, my Extemp crush, easily, easily, my coach, Bradley Washer. That man, I have dubbed the Sultan of Substructure, because he taught me the ins and outs of everything you need to do to have clear and concise impacts, uh, A's, B's, and C's, the skeleton, the three-sentence story. The backbone of every extemp speech I've ever given is off the back of Bradley Washer himself. Um, when he delivers stuff, he also does it with the greatest word economy I've ever seen, and he has some of the best vocabulary skills that I think I've ever seen in an extemper, and so I'm very fortunate and glad that he's my coach. So he's my extemp crutch. It sounds really lucky. but. What's the backstory behind your recording of the Harvard Semis in 2020? It's like the first thing that pops oh up on God. YouTube whenever you search up <laughs> Daniel Kind and Extemp. What, what happened? So that was uh, the only thing, and remains to this day, the only thing I have ever posted to YouTube for my uh, YouTube account. I was in that Harvard Semi, and going into that Semi, when I saw it came out on Tab Room, first I was surprised that I broke. And my second reaction to watching this was just like, oh, crap. Because that room was absolutely stacked, if you look who was in it. It was me, it was James Gao, who went on to win Nats, Pranav, who went on to win the other section of Nats, Gus, and the entire room was very difficult. Uh, fun fact about that YouTube recording, actually, the entire round was recorded horizontally by my dad's iPhone. And he just kind of airdropped me the videos later, and I stitched them together on iMovie. If you notice the uh, transitions there. And I felt like it'd be a good round, because there were a lot of heavy hitters in there. And of course, you got to get that self-promotion up on YouTube. That's how you get found on LinkedIn.com. And I eventually posted it to YouTube, and the rest is history. 
I'm surprised that you guys know about that. That is a very deep Danny kind of lore. Oh yeah, we um we did a deep dive on YouTube to find that one. Um, I've oh, listened, I've, I've watched that round a couple times at least. Um, okay, this question is super important to me, and I will judge you as a human being based on your answer. I've already judged Kevin based on his answer, and it's not good. USX or IX? Which one? IX all the way. Yes. International extent yes. is clearly the better one. Because I feel like there's a lot more magic wanding that you can do with international extemp, right? Because there's also a lot more problems in the international community, which is also why I think it's boring to give, like, Canada or Germany speeches. Because everybody knows what's going on with the United States, and they already have their opinions and prejudices based on their viewpoints. Uh, but really not a lot of people care or know what's going on in, like, Somalia. So if you give a point on Somalia, and you have no idea what it is beforehand, if you're able to give it in an effective way, the judge is going to scrutinize it less than if you were doing something similar in USX. And that's not to say that make stuff up and be an unethical extemper, because obviously you shouldn't. But in IX, I feel it lends itself to more open and interesting analysis. Because your analysis in doing USX is limited by the feasibility of what judges are going to read into your speech, uh, whereas in IX, you can... I feel like do more with it, especially when explaining topics that judges may not know beforehand. Are you sure that is not just to BS half your talking points? You know, I feel like there is something to be said about that. Because every extemper, whether they admit it or not, BSs to some degree. And if you say that you don't, you're lying. But of course, you want to be an ethical extemper. Never make up sources, never say things that aren't true and never outright lie in your speech. When I say magic wanding, I'm not saying be unethical or be a bad extemper. I'm saying consider solutions for problems um, that may not be the first that come to mind because they're the most feasible, right? You want to think outside the box and come up with solutions that you think would work rather than solutions that you think the judge would like the best. And I think IX is better for that. Great answer. Great answer. Now. We're going to move on to how you got good at a step and where you got to where you are right now, essentially. Yeah. What would you say is your clicking moment, that realization that, hey, you're actually pretty good at a step and that you can, you know, do a whole lot more in the field and in the event? I really think it was GMIF, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. So I started doing except in eighth grade. And in the 8th and ninth grade, I was absolutely awful at extemp, right? Being like 13, 14 years old, you don't really care about international affairs enough to read up on it. And you certainly don't have the work ethic to become a better extemper. Uh, so for those first couple of years, I was really not good at extemp. I remember going to Yale my freshman year and almost DFLing. I made it to like Octa's a blue key and that was the best I did all year. It, it was sad. Um... And actually, the summer between my 8th grade and my freshman year, I went to GMIF. GMIF 2018, I think. And I was an absolute menace to the GMIF 2018 staff. Because I was, like, still an 8th grader at that point. And I wanted nothing to do with extemp. I wore flip-flops or just went barefoot everywhere I went. And uh, the entire time, I was just, like, a pain in the butt for the people who were trying to coach me. And then the summer between my freshman and sophomore years... I came back to GMIF, GMIF 2019, and I came in there with the idea that I wanted to get better at extemp and I wanted to improve as an extemper. 
uh, and I got to work with, of course, my coach Bradley, who was there. I got to work with Harry Strong. I worked with Danny Drain. Uh, I worked with Max Hart, all the people who were there that year. And it really opened my eyes for the possibilities of Extemp. It raised my ceiling in a sense because I was, be I was able to be surrounded by people who knew what they were doing. Like I think Jack Silvers was out there. Um, but there was also coaches who were able to guide me along the way. And the very first tournament I went to after GMF 2019 was Yale, uh, my sophomore year, and that was really my breakout tournament. Uh, there was a difficult field, and include Mo Marks, who went on to win NBA that year, uh, and I hit them with every round that I did from octaves up to finals. Uh, Jimmy Gao was there, all of them, and I got fifth as a sophomore. And after that, that just gave me all the confidence that I needed to be successful in the future. And I think the thing that really drove it home was knowing that I had the ability to be successful. Because even if I wasn't the best extemper at the time, the knowledge that I could get something like fifth at Yale gave me the drive to keep going, where that motivation wasn't really there before. That's fantastic. I mean, having that moment where you realize that, oh my god, I can actually do extemp and I can actually be good at this, like you said, it's really huge to building that confidence. And so yeah. maybe for some of our extempers who haven't had as much time competing or preparing for extemp, do you have any favorite news sources or books or even pieces of theory that you really like to use in your extemp speeches? I'm going to use this opportunity uh, to plug some of my favorite sources, which I'm glad you asked this question. So I think Project Syndicate is a really good source. It's not really well known, um, but they have really in-depth briefs on international and domestic topics. Um, for domestic sources, it actually sounds counterintuitive, but I think American sources on American news kind of suck, right? Because they're always going to be very polarized for what you're trying to look for. So I think international sources on American news, you probably shouldn't watch or read Al Jazeera for news in the Middle East, but Al Jazeera is probably good for American news. Same with BBC, The Guardian, Deutsche Welle. International sources I like to use for domestic extent because they have tend to have a, uh, less biased point of view. And I also think that for international sources, the most important thing to do is to use regional sources. It impresses the judges. It lends you an ethos, a credibility that makes your speeches sound more intelligent. And it also makes sense given the context of your speech, right? So if you're giving a speech on East Asia, you want to include sources from the Diplomat, the South China Morning Post, the Japan Times, if you're giving a speech on India, you want to include sources from, like, the Hindustan Times. If you're giving a speech on Africa, you want to use the Africa Report and stuff like that. The Latin American Herald Tribune for a Brazil speech. All of that for international sourcing is so, 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 so important. Because if all you're using is the Associated Press and Reuters and newswires like that, then you're not really getting the kind of deep analysis that judges tend to appreciate at the higher level. And even at the lower level, if you have better sourcing, specifically think tanks, think tanks that go beyond... Uh, things like Brookings, which tend to be used a lot by extempers. But I, I especially appreciate think tanks with interesting names. So one that I always like to say is the Center for Strategic and International Studies, because it just sounds so pompous and professional. And when you pull that out in a speech, the judge looks at you and kind of nods and goes, yeah, that sounds credible. Um, because obviously it's an international think tank and it's going to be credible. But the better sourcing you can use to bolster your speeches and impress your judges is always going to help you improve. But the most important thing is to make sure that they're topical and they actually support your arguments. Because I've had so many novices in my time of coaching them that use articles in their speeches 
that disagree with what they're saying in their speech. And if you ever get source checked in around like that, uh, that's not going to go over well. So make sure your sources are actually supporting what you're saying. Obviously, to be as good as you are, you need to put a lot of time, practice, and work into Extemp overall. What's your current practice routine? And how would you say that has changed as you got better at the event? Right. So I think a little bit like the Dunning-Kruger curve, as you become more experienced, you realize that you know less and less about Extemp, right? At the beginning, you think you know so much about Extemp because you're just starting, you're getting told all these new things. But then as you learn more, you find out that you really don't know much. Um, and I think that sort of models what my practice regimen for Extemp has been. Because when I first started out, I thought I knew so much about Extemp because I had done it for one whole year that I didn't really have to practice. Um, I didn't practice, and my results reflected that. I was very bad my 8th grade and ninth grade year. Um, but then, as I realized that there was so much more to learn from the event, so much to hone and so many skills to improve, I realized that I would need to practice more if I wanted to get better. And that consisted of me having three online sessions uh, a week with my coach, Bradley. Uh, Bradley isn't actually here in Florida in person. He lives in Washington, D.C. now, but for a time he lived in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So there are very few speeches that I have actually given to Bradley in person. And... Most of the practice speeches that I gave to him were over Skype or over Zoom, uh, which I really think is a major help for me for being successful in the online format. Because when I first started being an extemper, all of the extemp speeches I gave in practice to my coach were online. And that was where I kind of learned how to do the event. So being comfortable in that setting sets you up for success in that environment. Um, now that I'm a senior, my practice has changed a little bit. It's more difficult to practice now that we're applying to colleges and trying to trudge through AP classes and all that. Um, so I haven't had as much practice time, but I make sure to go to practice two times a day, or not two times a day, two times a week with my team. Uh, and as a senior, I think the most important thing to practice is help your novices get better. Because when I was a novice, I didn't really have that senior support to help me along, and that really hurt me in my early extemp years. Um, and I kind of wanted to be the leader and mentor that I wish I had when I was their age. So when you're a senior, I feel like it's most important to help others on your team before helping yourself. Because in turn, helping and understanding those people's struggles and helping them get better makes you better as an extemper. Because you understand what judges look for when you watch that many speeches. Any prep strategies or life hacks that have made your life in extemp easier? So... One thing that extempers like to say is that you should spend 15 minutes uh, prepping and then 15 minutes memorizing, but I really think that's too static to be successful oftentimes, because depending on the environment in which you're giving your speech and the judges who you're giving your speech to, you're going to need to change up your prep somewhat. So if you know that you have a very analytic-heavy judge, or you're at a tournament like NBA or the Extemp TOC, you're probably going to spend more time prepping than you are going to spend memorizing because you want to get as many facts onto your legal pad as possible so that you can have them in your speech. Uh, and you want to think about your substructure to try to make it complex and deep uh, for as long as you can in order to make sure that uh, the judge finds what they're looking for in your speech. But if you're at a tournament like a local CFL or to even some extent uh, nationals where the judging tends to be more presentation heavy, 
I think there's something to be said about spending more time memorizing. Because one of the most important things for inexperienced judges and lay judges overall in extemp is coming across as clean, comfortable, and polished. And maybe spending 10 minutes writing your speech and having one or two less facts and 20 minutes memorizing and coming off as the most polished speaker in the room is sometimes better than having more facts and being less polished. So I think making sure that your prep times and prep isn't Static is an important way to make your speech better, depending on who you're speaking to. I really, I really love um, basically everything you just said. That's super duper important. Quick little pivot now. Um, and there's a reason I'm asking you this question, and we both know it. Um, I think one of the most underrated parts of extemp, or maybe the most forgotten part, is cross-ex. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are a very good cross-exer, as I have experienced. So... How do you give a good cross-ex and give me PTSD at the same time? So I think the universal maxim of cross-ex that people often forget is that cross-ex will not win you around, but cross-ex can lose you around. So you need to do everything you can to not lose in cross-ex. Um, and the best way to impress judges during cross-ex comes through roasting people. But you have to be very careful about roasting people, especially because you don't want to come across as rude or mean to the judges, who usually don't appreciate that. You don't roast people when you cross-ex them. You roast people when they cross-ex you. Right? So if you just gave a speech, and now somebody's attacking your analysis, it's easier and more credible to roast them with your topic knowledge as they're cross-exing you, because you're the one on the defensive. When you're cross-exing other people, you can't be as harsh Otherwise, you'll come off as rude, and the judges aren't going to like that, and that could end up losing you the round if it's a tight round. And when it comes to the process of roasting people, one thing that I think is important is directly answering their question. So, if they ask a question, your first sentence out of your mouth after they ask that is repeating their question words and answering the question directly, because otherwise you're not answering the question and you're evading them. And then you need to go in detail to explain why you are right. You need to pull every piece of topic knowledge that you have out of your magic hat and use it as evidence for why you were correct. Because somebody else cross-exing you is an opportunity to show the judge how much you know about a given topic, right? And then after you do that, you have the opportunity to further prove your point, which is why I love defending cross-ex, because it gives you the opportunity to say things in another two or three minute period they usually wouldn't in the seven-minute period that you're given to speak. So it gives you a bigger platform to say what you want and more ideas to expand upon. And then when you're cross-examining other people, once again, you have to be careful to not be too mean. Uh, and then when you are cross-exing them, ask probing questions, but not questions that are meant to completely destroy their speech. Because it's unlikely that they have any such big flaws in their speech especially if you're in a final round that you're going to catch them on. So it's better if you just poke little holes in their argument that are going to make the judge rethink accepting and buying their analysis. Oh, and one more thing. One more thing. It is very important to end cross-examination if you are on the defensive side. If there's one thing you take away from this, with a short, pithy statement. If somebody asks a question and you're just running out of time and they say something absurd, they ask some weird question, And you can just go, no, absolutely not. That power that you get from saying no and needing no further elaboration is 
very impressive and effective in the round if you're defending. I was taking notes. I was taking Same. a lot of notes. Great pieces of advice for Cross. Um, absolutely. All right. So um, one more for me then. Um, you've had a lot of tournament success this year. Uh, Kevin mentioned it earlier. You know, the season opener, Duke, Blue Key, Glenbrooks, GMU. You probably forgot something. How do you literally win every single tournament that you attend? So at the highest level, there is often a conflation in success because the recipe for success in extemp is skill plus luck. And the variables that create the variation in luck change in the online format. So I would be remiss if I didn't attribute a portion of my success to being in the online format because there's a difference between going in person to Glenbrooks and getting Illinois judges and then going in person to GMU and getting all the college speech judges um, that you don't really get in online extemp. So the person that is successful at one of those tournaments, because the judge pool is all the same, because everything is online, you don't have to travel, is probably going to be successful at a wider range of tournaments. That being said, I also think it's important to value consistency in extemp itself. Because when you go to a tournament, there's a lot of people who forget that they're in out rounds for a reason. So when they get to quarterfinals or semifinals and they want to impress their judges or they want to do really well in that semifinal to make it to the final round, they place their mind away from where their feet are. And that is ultimately what dooms them in extemp. You got to that semifinal because you did well in your quarterfinal, because you did well in your prelims, because you did well in your octafinal. If you want to truly win the tournament or do something well, you need to do the same thing in your semi that you did in your quarter that you did in your octa. Because otherwise, you're putting yourself in uncharted, uncomfortable territory that's going to make you give a speech that you're not exactly going to be comfortable with. And that leads to stressed extempers, rushed speeches, and poor performances. So I think valuing consistency in the way that you do extemp, whether that be in sourcing or the way that you organize your speeches, just make sure that you stay true to yourself. And that sounds trite, but it's honestly true. Because doing things the same way, if it's successful, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Considering your most recent success at GMU, do you have any interesting tidbits or story facts from that specific final round and how you ended up winning it? GMU was a vendetta for me. I've gone to GMU for all four years of high school, and I had never been successful. I went to their camp twice, so I expected, well, I've been here before, so I should be pretty good. Freshman year, dropped in prelims. I did not give good speeches. Um, my sophomore year, GMU was my last chance to get invited to MBA. I had gotten fifth at Yale. I semied at Glen Brooks. I quartered at Blue Key. Uh, I think I semied somewhere else, but GMU was basically my last effort in showing to try to get MBA's attention and get invited to the tournament. And if you know anything about in-person GMU, they have really weird semifinal rounds. They break to a semifinal of 21 people, which eventually goes down to a final of six people, which means that you're paired in three rooms of seven in the top two in that room break. Uh, so my sophomore year, I was in a semifinal of seven people that included Steve Astana and Jimmy Gao, who I seemed to hit a lot throughout my career. Um, and I got third in that round. And Steve and Jimmy made it out, and they both got invited to NBA. And I never got my NBA invite because I dropped in that round. Uh, and then my 
my junior year, the exact same thing happened, where I got third in the semifinal round and lost out of the GMU final round. And so I came into my senior year with a vendetta against this tournament because I had been vanquished in previous years and I sought to win it. Uh, and eventually I did. I had a good showing in prelims, which were oddly asynchronous for some reason. I'm, the decision is so questionable. Uh, and then I went through quarters and I went through semis. And semis was a very nerve-wracking round because by that point, I had made it to the final of every tournament that I had ever been to except GMU. I think the only one that I'm missing now is the UK TOC and Nats. Um, but at GMU, this was the last tournament that I haven't finaled at. So finding out that I was in the final of that round was a very happy moment for me because it was like crossing off my uh, bingo card. And then when I finally did it, I knew that I wanted to give a very impressive speech um, and I needed to do a good showing for the first time in my GMU final round. And when I got my question, it was a hypothetical triad. Something about um, uh, democracy revolution in Iran, and then NATO trying to support the democracy movement of Iran in the civil war that they're going to, and then a hypothetical question about how Russia should cross-attack NATO in Iran if they get into a civil war. So it was an international hypothetical quadrad between four actors. And as soon as I drew that question, I knew that I would be getting a headache in prep. So I got out my legal pad and I prepped the speech. I did 20 minutes of writing and 10 minutes of memorizing. And I prepped it out. And I actually spent 22 minutes writing the speech and eight minutes memorizing it. So I tried to include as much detail as I could in there. And then I gave the speech and it was a very analytical speech. I sacrificed personality and humor for the analysis that I wanted to give in the round. And eventually it did win me the round by seven ranks. And to this day, I can always say that I got my revenge on GMU for keeping me out of what I wanted. I can certainly say as a spectator of that round, that was a very impressive speech. Um, analytically, it was very, very Ooh, look strong. Look at me, I'm Danny Kind. I know what kind of planes Iran has, ooh. <laughs> that is what I texted you after that round, indeed. Um, all right, so we talked a lot about the stuff you've done. Now let's kind of look to the rest of the season, right? First question, nice and easy. What tournaments are you looking forward to as the season reaches the second oh, half? Oh, absolutely, NBA. I have not gotten the opportunity to be at an in-person tournament since March 2020. My last in-person tournament was Florida State's, um, which I unfortunately won't get the chance to go to this year because it conflicts with NBA. Um, I've never been invited before. When I was a freshman, I told my coach Bradley that my goal in my extemp career was to get invited to NBA. And then I didn't my sophomore year and I was heartbroken. And then I had a rough first semester my uh, junior year and I also didn't get invited. So I was heartbroken because I was consistently snubbed for the tournament. But after a strong showing in the first semester of my senior year, finally got invited to the tournament. Now that they're holding it in March this year rather than in January, I'm very excited to go in person to the Montgomery Bell Academy and, you know, compete for the first time ever there. I heard that they have really interesting things to give their extempers, and it's a really fun time where you get to meet some of the top people in the United States in the event, so I'm really excited for that. Strong performance is quite an understatement for what you've done. 
But in anticipation for that MBA, of course, what are some of the specific competitors, names, names, if you can, uh, that you're either really excited to go against or just scared to death uh, to match off in a round? Well, I'm not sure if there's anybody that really scares me. I think fear is a weakness. But if you're trying to be successful, you do have to know who you're going up against. And obviously, there's people who've had success this year. Uh, McKinley Paltzik. Uh, I'm excited to meet friends from Arizona like Caitlin Tsai. Um, of course, Mukta, who won the final round at Nats last year and the Extemp TOC. Anant, of course, who runs the Extemp Bible. Got to give him the shout out. Uh, Mark Savaro, who I hope to see a lot because he's my uh, big Extemp friend from Florida. There's a lot of people who I think are really, really good at this event. And not only am I happy to meet them in person, I think it's going to be really fun competing against them because I get to talk to them after the round and go, hey, how'd your speech go? Where in the online format, you just kind of close your computer and sit in your room in sadness. All right, similar vein of a question. But um, so far, who has been like your extemp rival, so to speak? And obviously you can't say me because we all know how formidable I am of an extemper. But well, I was um, going to say Kevin. Other than me, who is... <laughs> <laughs> really you're gonna really do me like that all right um but who's who's really been that one extemper who's giving you a lot of trouble this well year? it's got to be the person that's beat me at the other tournaments mckinley uh she beat me in the yale final round and she and anant beat me in the bronx final round i got my revenge at glenbrooks but still uh those are the only two tournaments that i've lost the entire year so if i had to pick one it would be her but she's very nice and i feel like it's 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 rude to call her a rival because she's been nothing but kind and sweet to me. Uh, but she is a very, very skilled extemper. So it's looking like a lot of next year's more major national tournaments are going to be making the transition to being in-person tournaments. Given how you already stated that you think that an online extemp sort of situation may have benefited you, at least in some of the luck aspects of competition, how do you think that transition, that jump from being virtual all the way back to in-person, just like the good old days, how do you think that's going to affect you? So I hope that I'm just as good in person that I am online. It would be pretty sad if I wasn't, but I'm pretty sure I'll be fine. There is obviously uh, a lot more variation that comes in in-person extemp because there's so many more variables than just looking at a speaker on a 2D screen and focusing more on auditory cues rather than visual cues, whereas when you're in person, the judge looks at you more than they listen to you. Um, you know, I think I will be successful. You've got to have that confidence there. Uh, because coming out of the online format, there obviously is a lot less stability and uh, more chances to go out in weird rounds. But one of the things that I really liked about in-person extemp that you don't really get in virtual extemp is the ability to consistently connect with your judges. When you give an impactful point to somebody in a room, you feel so much more powerful and like you're actually connecting with that judge than if you were just in the online format. And the ability to walk into a room, look at the crowd, see them all watching you, and give a joke that just lands perfectly and everybody busts out laughing is a thing that I really haven't had the opportunity to do in a really long time. And I'm honestly really excited to get back to that because it was what made me fall in love with Extemp in the first place. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think we all are really excited to give those absolutely hilarious jokes that we've been practicing so much at these online tournaments. Well, now on to a fun, fun question. Predict a major world event that you'll be speaking on sometime this season, and maybe even a world event that we mentioned on The World Sucks and Here's Why on the Extempers Bible podcast. To be clear, 
I love that name because it so accurately sums up how I feel anytime something comes up in the news. Um, but if I had to predict one major national event, I think we're going to see uh, the downfall of Boris Johnson. As we can see, there are trends in uh, British politics where politicians never really go out the easy way. They always resign or have to be forced out of their positions because of some big scandal. We saw it with David Cameron. We saw it with Theresa May. Uh, and now I think with the whatever it happened was on 10 Downing Street with the rave that he held, which I don't think was really even a rave, uh, I think he's losing popularity amid the spread of the Omicron variant in the UK. My prediction is that Boris Johnson goes down in flames. I love that prediction, especially that really hits home for me because... Ever since my sophomore year, I have been obsessed, obsessed with Boris Johnson. So I really, that really felt that I liked, I liked hearing that one. That was really, really You will now be receiving All right. a beautiful new blue passport. Mm. And with that blue passport, <laughs> you might as well be listening to some lo-fi Boris wave, you know? The classic one. Is that a genre? <laughs> the, or Boris the Boris Bop? Bop. The Boris, the Boris Bop. wave. The Boris Bop is... For those, for those who are listening to the podcast and haven't heard the Boris Bop, please go to YouTube right now, or after this podcast, actually, and, uh, and, and listen to it. It is truly, truly amazing. All right. Um, Boris Bop out of the way. Now let's talk about some reflections on Extemp. You've obviously been competing at Extemp for a while. You've had a lot of success. You've done a lot of speeches and stuff like that. So just talk about your reflections on Extemp. So first, how would, or rather, what? If anything, would you like to change about Extemp or the rules that we have to follow in Extemp? Is there something that really bothers you about the way the event exists today? I think there's a lot of Extemp that is meant to evade scrutiny. So I think one thing that we should do in particular, regardless of feasibility, because it's probably not feasible, I think we should really take a closer look at the sources that some people are using. Because there is nothing I hate more in an Extemp round than going in and listening to somebody lie to me for seven minutes and then do well in the round, which I've seen time and time again with extempers. I'm not going to name names, but I've seen it. And the judges just either don't seem to care or don't have the energy or the time or the resources to fact-check them. Uh, fact-check? Ooh, what was that? And I think that erodes the credibility in a lot of ways that extemp should be giving to people. Because when you speak, when you include sources, you're supposed to be making yourself more credible. But if you're lying about those sources, you're not making yourself credible at all. On the topic of scrutiny, uh, I know this is probably biased coming from me, but I would appreciate if we did uh, longer slash more cross-ecs in each round. Because it gives people the opportunity to critically analyze and examine other people's speeches. Uh, makes it more difficult for people to just make stuff up. And makes it truly more analytical as it should be and distances itself from the more lay aspects of the event which are important but i feel like the analysis of extemp should be just as emphasized more tangibly do you think that judges should just be source checking and fact checking pretty much anything an extemper says mm, you know i'm not sure because at a certain point that's too much for judges to do and judges should be focusing on listening to your speech more than anything else. And if they're taking the time to fact-check you in the speech, they're probably not going to be listening to you as much. But I would appreciate if they would just pay more attention. Because 
If you have a fact right, but you say a source wrong, it's fine. The fact is right. Somebody else said it. If you said the Washington Post instead of the New York Times, that's, you're completely fine. But if you're making up shootings that didn't happen or talking about people who don't exist, then you're just eroding the credibility of the event. And I think judges need to be more aware of that. Fair critique. Do you have any advice for a freshman version of yourself? Oh, absolutely. I have so many pieces of advice. Hear them all. I'd like to say that hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, I think I would say that to freshman Danny from, what, 2019, 2018? That you really need to focus on becoming a more mature person. Because freshman Danny was a little bit of a mess, didn't really know what was going on in his life, didn't have things put together. And if you don't know what you're doing in your regular life, it's very difficult to become good at something in your extracurricular life. And a lot of the unstated rules of extemp can be built upon by becoming a more mature person, by becoming confident and comfortable in your own skin. Because judges can sense that comfort when you're speaking, whether that's in person or online. And if you're not comfortable and confident in what you're saying, you act as a mirror for your judge. They're going to reflect back what you show to them. So becoming a more mature person is going to get you more mature judges. So if I had to condense that down to one piece of advice for freshman Danny, that would be grow up, man. I love that. That is fantastic advice. Um, I think everyone, when we were freshmen, we could have used that a little bit. All right. Similar vein, again. What was the best piece of advice that you ever got that helped you grow as an extemper? And maybe even who gave you that piece of wisdom that's helped you a lot? So it was my coach, Bradley Washer. And the best piece of advice that he gave me was becoming a good extemper isn't going to happen overnight. When I was a sophomore, that was probably the peak of the sessions and practices I did with him. And I was really excited and anxious to become as good as possible. I felt like I wanted to rush through the process and become really good right here, right now. Uh, my coach Bradley told me that he was preparing me for the long game, how to become. He said, I think, in fact, I quote, you are not going to be winning final rounds now, but I promise you, you will by the time you're a senior. Uh, and I guess that was wise because he was right. And he told me that becoming a good extemper isn't going to happen overnight. You're not going to wake up one day and suddenly become really good. But instead, I'm going to instill into you the skills that you need in order to become a good extemper, make them have it for you, and then teach you what you need to do in each individual round. So I think knowing that I couldn't rush through the process and you needed to play the long game if you wanted to be reach your ceiling, as he called it, uh, was an important revelation for me as a young extemper. Great. That's, yeah, amazing, amazing advice once again. Okay, on to maybe a little bit more of a fun question. What was your favorite AGD that you've ever given or heard, or maybe even your favorite on top that you've ever delivered? Um, because I feel like we all have a couple favorites that we like to point out to people every time we're asked to share. I think my personal favorite would have to be in my Emory final round my sophomore year. Yeah, my sophomore year. Uh, I was giving a speech on Irish reunification post-Brexit, and I was talking about, in my AGD, 
how Brexit was a slow and fickle process. And my HD was talking about how the French foreign minister named her cat Brexit because every time she opened the door, it would just sit there and it wouldn't choose whether it wants to be outside or inside. Uh, and I think that was the most laughs that I got out of a round in person and to this day remains my funniest and most well-liked AGD. I'm already cracking up out here. <laughs> but to speak of not only your reflections on Extemp, but also how you're going to move forward with the knowledge that Extemp has given you, what's something outside of public speaking and even schoolwork in general that Extemp has taught you or has given you an advantage in some way? I would say the ability to think and do work on my feet. I like to say that Extemp teaches you how to write a New York Times article in 30 minutes. And part of those skills are really important for life. Uh, partly because I'm a chronic procrastinator, and if I do work, it's always 30 minutes before the due date. So Extemp really clearly translates well there. But the ability to speak succinctly and persuasively is extraordinarily important both in uh, your future professional life and just talking to people, right? If you know what you're talking about and you know the ways to word it so that people can understand it, a skill that Extemp certainly teaches, you're going to be more successful because people are going to understand what you're trying to convey. There's so many problems in this world that are caused because people misunderstand communication. If we could all instantly telepathically transmit what we're thinking to everybody else, we would have a utopic world peace. But because communication is not so perfect, we don't have peace. So I think improving our communication in any way possible is a way to create a more fair, just, and peaceful world, as big as that sounds. All right. And on to the last of our big bulk of questions. Are you going to continue speech and debate, or even extemp in particular, in college or other upper educational opportunities if you're given the chance? Probably not in a competitive sense. I think there's a lot of problems with collegiate speech that I'm not going to get into here, but I would probably like to be a, a coach and help people on my team and for free when I'm uh, in college to help people improve because the speech and debate community has given so much to me and I feel it's only fair for me to give back to it. And for a lot of the schools that I'm applying to, they do have debate teams, but they mo mostly do policy or parliamentary debate. And I'm not sure if I'm as interested in that as I am extemp. Um, so I don't know. Maybe if we cross paths again, I may compete in extemp one day. But for now, that seems unlikely. Massive thanks to Daniel Kind for taking time out of his day to talk with us. You've got the floor for the next 30 seconds to plug anything you want. And also leave our listeners with a closing remark. I don't think I have really have anything to plug, so if I have 30 seconds to say whatever I want to our listeners, I'm going to say, be good to yourself. Mental health is the most important thing to focus on in extemp. It's not competitive success, not what your team thinks about you, it's not how you feel other people think about you, but rather making sure that you truly like who you are. Because I know so many extempers who have fallen into the hole of trying to become so good at extemp that they forget that they're more important than extemp. So even if it comes at the cost of your career, you are always more important, and there's always a reason to keep going.
true words of wisdom from a truly great extemper. Well, for all of our listeners, have a great day and an even better next tournament. Unless your name rhymes with Samuel Mind, in which case, only have a great day because you don't need good luck at your next tournament. Stay tuned for our next episode, another wacky view of our messed up world in the World Sucks and Here's Why, December edition.